Snobbies. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Snubbies. My apologies for the brief break that we took here. Um, I was hoping to get one in before the Oscars just to, to do my Oscar picks, but uh, unfortunately some schedules didn't line up. So here we are. We're back again. Uh, we got Michael Morosco joining us again. So back-to-back episodes for Mikey. And uh, it, this ooh, this one's a brutal one. Uh, we're going to be talking about the 1994 Best Supporting Actor Oscar. And... I know we're doing two supporting actor and awards back to back again, but uh, oh my god! Wait until you hear this episode. Uh, I just got done recording the session with Mike, and this one takes a toll on me. <laughs> and I think you're gonna hear. I think you guys are gonna agree with um, everything that we say, hopefully. But this is this is the kind of episode that I really wanted to do when I started the podcast because it it's an emotional. Uh, debate on this one because there's just so many good nominees that either were nominated or weren't nominated and just wait till you listen to it it's absolutely insane and we go back and forth Uh, he changes my mind on some things I change his mind on some things and this is I'll tell you if there were beers involved in this one it would have gotten nasty quickly but uh, this is probably one of the better episodes that we've done so hopefully you guys like it and enjoy it Um, we're gonna we'll also go talk a couple couple things about the Oscars that were last weekend. Uh, last, actually, by the time that this is out, the weekend before, so my apologies. Uh, if you didn't watch the Oscars, you didn't miss much, uh, except for just a lot of uncomfortable stuff that went down. Uh, Chris Rock was the host, uh, spent the entire time talking about the Black Lives, uh, not Black Lives Matter, the Oscars So White. Um, just, ugh, if you saw it, you know what I'm talking about, which is very uncomfortable. People in the audience laughing and clapping probably because they felt they had to um they started off you know laughing and clapping because he made he made some good points um uh, but then it just didn't stop and kind of for me kind of distracted from the whole evening overall i mean it was for lack of a better term it was it was leo's night you know this everybody knew going into it that he was going to win for the revenant and there was just there was no jokes about leo there was no jokes about the movies that were nominated it was just it was all the Oscar so white thing and just really painful to, to sit through. Um, I, I don't know. I, I want to hear what you guys think. Hit us up on Facebook. Hit us up on Twitter at the snubbies. Uh, what, what did you guys think? I, I was live tweeting throughout the whole thing and uh, it just, it started awkward. Then it got dull. Then it got unwatchable. And then, you know, once you start getting into best actor, best actress, best picture categories, then it it at least became interesting, but I mean, you had to sit through three hours of just painful broadcasting to get to that. Um, I don't know how you fix that. Uh, obviously, the they need a host that's that's going to have, um, and I don't want to say mass appeal because I like Chris Rock. I I like the movies he does. I like his stand up. Um, I think the controversy just overshadowed everything about it, and. The thing that no one really commented was that it was a bad year for for women uh, roles this year. Uh, the best the best actress category was a runaway from the start. Brie Larson winning for Room, and very deservedly so. She would have won that award over anybody else that was nominated for any other movie in a long time. 
but there was just no competition. Uh, I mean, Kate Blanchett for Carol. Uh, Carol was not a good movie. Um, you know, just I don't know. It, it was just, it was painful to sit through. Um, I don't know. It, Oscars needs to step their game up, man. They really do because that that was bad. Um, yeah, again, I mean, <laughs> it's it's leaving me speechless. Literally, I don't know what to say about the Oscars. It was it was bad. Um, Alejandro, uh, Alejandro Iñárritu won Best Director for The Revenant. Um, th- that that award could have gone a couple different ways, but he did make history, uh, becoming only the second actor, uh, the second director to win back-to-back awards uh, for Best Director. So, uh, big night for him. Um, have some reservations about him as a director, just what he put his crew through to make that movie. Uh, unnecessary things. So. Uh, Yay, he won his award for for it and everything. Good for him. Hopefully, he doesn't do anything like that again because just talking with some of the people that have worked on that movie, it was not a good experience and it was all avoidable stuff and and for me as a, you know, assistant director, it just I I don't know if I would have stayed on board for a lot of that shoot after after listening to some of the horror stories, so I don't know. We'll see. Um, we're going to take a quick time out. Uh, actually have a sponsor this week, so I want to give them some love. So I'm going to do a quick time out. We'll be right back. Michael Morosco talking about 1994 Best Supporting Actor Oscar. So we'll be right back. Hey guys, I want to talk to you about Two Nights In. It's a new travel company that specializes in getting you the best deals at the most exclusive, most luxurious places around the globe. I know what you're thinking. Evan, I'm just going to go to Orbitz or Travelocity. I'm going to do it all myself. Don't. Two Nights In knows the best places to stay and can hook you up. You know how everyone has that friend that somehow gets the best deals for themselves and their family and you're like, man, I wish I could have stayed right next to the Taj Mahal too. Well, guess what? Two Nights In is that friend for you. Here's what you do. Go to twonightsin.com. That's T-W-O nightsin.com and just browse their destination guide. Choose a location, sign up on their site and you'll get immediate VIP access to the best of the best on four continents. My wife and I used them when we went to Chicago, when we went to Italy, to Mexico, and each time we arrived at our hotel, it's like they rolled out the red carpet just for us. That's what Two Nights In can do for you. Tell you what, just check them out on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, search at Two Nights In, that's T-W-O Nights In, and just browse some of the places that they can hook you up. You won't regret this. Come on, guys, be that person that brags about the most amazing vacation ever, and do it with the help of Two Nights In. I guarantee you won't regret it. Two nights in, TWO nights in. Now back to the snubbies. All right, guys, we are back here with Mr. Michael Morosco. Mike, how you doing? Great. How's it going, Evan? Oh, you know, living the dream. Living the dream. Can't complain. <laughs> I mean, I could, but no one's going to care, so. No, especially not me. No. Um, let's, uh, 
Nubbies. I, I can really feel the love coming from your end, you know, just three, 3,000 miles away, and I just feel the love, you know? Great. There you go. Um, let's let's do a quick Oscar recap here, because um, this is our first episode since the Oscars, and not a good show by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I don't necessarily... No, and, go ahead. No, and I think you were sort of anticipating that the 88th annual Academy Awards were going to be kind of boring because nothing there were not too many exciting movies no you um, know what? it's it, we've kind of fallen into this this little pattern where it's the movies are predictable like oh this is definitely Oscar bait and honestly right. the the best thing about 2015 was Mad Max and I know I keep I keep harping on that movie but it's like it was it was the best action movie that's come out in a long long time and it was just so well done that it kind of blew everything else out of the water. I mean, we can sit here and talk about how awesome The Revenant was or or Bridge of Spies or something like that, but I mean those those movies are trying so hard to be Oscar worthy and it just it kind of it kind of steals it from everything. Yeah. So um let, let's talk about Chris Rock as host for for one thing. Um did, did first off, did you watch the Oscars? So I, the last couple of years, I've been doing sort of a Twitter follow along. And then the next day I'll go watch all the YouTube videos just so I'm not like, you know, it as is, pissed off yeah, as, at the results as they're happening live. It, well, it is a very painful thing to sit through. I mean, I, I was live tweeting throughout the whole thing. And after a while, I was just like, I kind of gave up on it. I was like, I just, I don't care about what's happening right now. And yeah. honestly, Chris Rock kind of. It kind of started the evening. I mean, you knew he was going to say something about Oscar so white. You knew it was going to happen. It was going to be a disappointment if he didn't say anything. But I don't think anybody expected to happen what happened, which is 100% of the monologue was talking about racial stuff. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I want to hear jokes about the nominees. I want to hear jokes about the, the movies that are nominated. Yeah. And instead, it was like, a seven minute lecture by angry black man. And I'm like, I'm not to say that, not to say I didn't want to see any of that. I just didn't want to see a hundred percent of that. So I don't, did and you, there's a balance. I feel like you can do both, right? Like it, yeah. there's, a, there's probably a better way he could have done both. Got the important things that he was saying by including all like the racial discussion, you know, and comedy and just kind of pointing out how, yes, this is ridiculous, but it's kind of, the life we've all chosen. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, if you go back and listen to episode two, which, um, uh, you should, it, it's, it's uh, well, look at, yeah. For anyone who hasn't listened to it yet, it's, um, it's available on YouTube right now. Um, I, I had to take it off cause I can only do two episodes at a time for right now, but, uh, I'm eventually going to put all these episodes on YouTube as a podcast. So, um, listen to my conversation with Rob the Lusima because he hits the nail right on the head the, with, you know, regarding the whole controversy. It's not that we need X amount of black nominees each year. It's that there's no vehicle for these actors, you know, the minority actors to, to showcase what they can do. And that's the bigger issue is that if I want to go see a movie about, you know, you know, a, a black character doing whatever, I have to search long and hard to really find one. Whereas if I go to the movies right now, nine out of nine movies in the, in the, in the Cineplex is going to be about, you know, a white person. So, yeah. um, of course the, the nominees are going to reflect that. So, um, I mean, that being said, I, I felt like Chris Rock's speech and his monologue was more ridiculing people in the audience than it was, 
you know, addressing the actual issue. And, and don't get me wrong, he did address the issue, but it just, it felt like a lecture more than it was just, hey, like here, like when he started talking about uh, black people being raped and murdered to the point where they don't care about cinematography, it's like, I get the joke. And yeah, it's a shocking joke, but at the same time, like that, uh, something about that just rubbed me the wrong way. And I know it was supposed to, and it definitely did. But after that, he lost me. And I was like, yeah. I, I, w- I was watching it live. I was like, I wish there was a fast forward button on live TV. So um, I don't know. Did, did you go back and watch that whole monologue? I did. I watched the monologue and some of the, um, the interstitials in between awards and things like that. You know, it's, it's tough because we're in a race that has representation. Right. And, and we're both the kind of people that don't see things kind of through colors it's like you've worked with a lot of people from many different races and you know sexual orientations and Mm -hmm. things like that and it's kind of like oh wait there are like ignorant people still in power and that still have the say as far as like what movies get made or what movies get nominated right um so sometimes it's really like they need a blunt thing in front of their face saying like oh like maybe i shouldn't be acting this way even if i'm not overtly racist kind of thing. Right. And and honestly, you know, going back to the conversation with Rob, it's also the call for having these kind of roles is not being heard. And it's not a very loud voice either. And that's that's what is uh that's kind of what's frustrating is that I mean, you you can blame the executives of the movie of the uh of the the studios for so long before you're like, well, they're in the money game. They're there to make money. And what movies are making money? Well, there's not a big outcry for these type of movies and there should be. So yeah. whose, whose fault is it at that point? You, you can't blame the studios for trying to make, uh, for trying to make move, uh, sorry, trying to make money off of movies and a formula that they know works. Um, I mean, I I don't know. There, I guess to to sum it up, there is no there's no quick fix for it. Um, I I appreciate what the Academy did by saying at least half of the Academy voters have to be of minority, uh, you know, nationality, race, anything like that. Yeah. Um, and, but all that that's going to do is even the voting field. It's not going to even the nomin like the nominating field, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So. And hopefully, it'll get there. You know, but definitely give. Episode two of the Snubbies, uh, another listen if you haven't already, because you, I think you and Rob really break it down, and it's interesting as his perspective as a black man. Um, yeah, and and honestly, you know, you know, I've, I, I respect Rob's opinion so much, and it's funny because I thought he was going to come into the episode and, uh, you know, have a very kind of like staunch. Uh, and I don't want to say this in a means like I thought it was going to like pigeonhole him, but when he started talking about just you can't blame studios for for wanting to make money, but you can blame them for the content. I was like, that hits the nail on the head yeah. so hard. And it's like, it's not that. Uh, I mean, I know. Did you see the bit where Chris Rock was going around interviewing black people outside the the movies? Oh yeah, that I think perfectly. That was like a Jimmy Kimmel moment where like right. it perfectly showcased the wrong point of view whereas like rob has the perfect point of view in the whole Mm -hmm. thing but like interviewing (laughs) interviewing the black people and they're like have you ever heard of uh what is steven spielberg and they were like "Uh, i've heard of him it's like what Mm -hmm. you've you've heard (laughs) of him so i mean yes it was done for laughs and everything like that but i mean that's 
I pity people that that watch that and they're like, oh, black people don't know anything about movies. Like, no, they pick the like, you know, the worst responders to to showcase to like make a point. Right. But I don't know. Um, but anyway, Chris Rock, I don't know if they're going to ask him to come back anytime soon because all the people that are saying he did such a great job now, I feel like they're saying it just because they feel they have to. Because if they criticize him, then they're going to be like, you know, they're going to face the backlash of, oh, you're racist for not liking what he said. Yeah, it's it's a fine line. To, it is, to, and it, it's an awkward line to walk. I mean, I I'm trying to get Rob back to do another episode, and I I don't want to bring up race every time he comes in because it's such <laughs> a crap thing to do. Yeah, because um, he he has such great opinions on just movies in general. Like take take politics and social politics out of it. Rob's a, a movie lover like all of us, and he, I yeah. want him to talk about movies and not have to worry about making statements all the time too. Um, yeah. So moving on from that, uh, what were some of the big shockers that you heard that you uh, felt the the award ceremony kind of? I don't know what 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 caught you off guard. Well, I, definitely the fact that Spotlight won Best Picture um, when I don't think it won anything else. It was nominated for correct. Uh, it won for screenplay. Oh, so it. I mean, that's the thing is, if it hadn't have won anything else, right. I would have been like, that's. That's a huge upset, but mm-hmm. I'm big on story. So if it won screenplay, then it had a much better shot at winning Best Picture. Yeah. Um, and you know, I could I could tell watching the whole thing when there was like a there was like a, a sixty minute block where Mad Max was just cleaning up and yeah, it, all the technical awards, all the technical awards, and it was funny because it's the exact same thing hap- that happened with Hugo when the artist uh, won Best Picture that year. Everybody liked Hugo. But they liked the artist better, so they were like, well, we have to give Hugo a lot of other stuff to make up for the fact that it's not the best. So yeah. when Mad Max was winning editing and costumes and production design and yada, 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 I was like, well, this is just proving that it's not going to win Best Picture. And mm-hmm. that's when my hopes for it kind of kind of died. But I really, you know, going into it, I had said The Revenant is the clear favorite, but if any one of those is going to upset it, it's going to be Spotlight. So hmm. I wasn't it, shocked to, to hear Spotlight, but when you have Leonardo DiCaprio and Alejandro Iñárritu winning their awards, it almost seemed like a foregone cor- uh, conclusion, and then Spotlight came out of nowhere. Right, and I I know leading up to maybe the last, um, you know, the month or so beforehand, you st- I started hearing a lot of people saying, oh, you know, like, don't, don't sleep on Spotlight. Like, it, it, I think... Um, whatever studio put that out, they were really making the big push to get the exposure, to get it out there, to get people talking about it. Absolutely. Um, And it is an important story. Um, I still have yet to see it. It's a very important story. I I compare it to All the President's Men because it's more about the journalism than the subject matter that the journalism is based on, if that makes sense. Yes, no, that or um, uh, Shattered Glass. Have you seen that? Uh, long ago, I can't remember much about it though. Yeah, so it's the same. It's it's like, hey, there's journalistic integrity right. and like what's right and what's wrong. It's like that you can do compelling pieces framed around you know the right. bigger sort of more important story. Yeah, and you know what? I feel like the way that they did spotlight uh, kind of takes the focus. Uh, I think if they had done the movie spotlight as a narrative piece, not on the journalism aspect, but on the victims themselves. 
I think it would have been so heavy-handed, and I think there would have been so much... Interesting, yeah. Yeah, there would have been so much backlash from the church that it probably wouldn't have been as noticed. I think you take that story and you put, you focus on the journalism aspect of it. You can tell the story and still get that kind of broad appeal. So, mm-hmm. um, And it's funny because Mark Ruffalo, uh, did you... Did you did you see the reading of the the award for best supporting actor? Uh, no. So we're sitting there, and, you know. I was there with my wife. Uh, it was me. My parents were there too, and we're just sitting there watching it. And they're going over the nominees, and I'm like, God, like this is a stacked category because yeah. everybody thought it was going to be Sylvester Stallone, mm-hmm. and even I did. I was like, I mean, he won the Golden Globe. Everyone kept talking about it, and I was like. Sly Stallone is going to win his second Oscar for playing the same character, and it's going to be awesome. And then once they said Mark Ruffalo, I was like, you know, god damn, he was really, really good in in Spotlight. I happen to think he was better in Infinitely Polar Bear, but he didn't get nominated for Best Actor. He got nominated for Best Supporting for Spotlight. Um, but as they were going, I was like, eh, and Mark Rylance wasn't bad either, but like, I really was harping on, yeah. on uh, Ruffalo. And then when they read, when they said, uh, who and who was it? Was it um, uh, who who won supporting actress the year before? Because she presented it. I can't remember. I'm sorry. Uh, she said Mark, and I immediately was like, yes, oh. Ruffalo. <laughs> and then she said Rylance, and I was like, what? Really? I mean, <laughs> Mark Rylance stole Bridge of Spies. He absolutely did. But Ruffalo was better, and Sliced Alone was better. And and it's funny because just before we started recording, I was reading an article about Mark Rylance. Just uh, it just came out that he's like he's this British actor that's in this pro-Palestine group of people that are calling for like the boycott of Israel and stuff. And the article was like, if that had come out right before the Oscars, there's no chance in hell he would have won. But it's interesting because even taking the political stuff out of it. I don't know. I mean, I I don't want to do snubby episodes about recent awards, but I think we're going to... That could be one. I I think we're going to revisit this. If this show is still around in a few years, we're going to come back and revisit this because I don't think Rylance wins it. Hmm. So, I don't know. Well, it would be great as these movies start coming on video um, because that tends to be when I can catch up and see them. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe, Evan, maybe in 10 years, I'll have seen all of these nominated movies. And uh, And we'll go back in time. And be better informed. Was there, uh, we'll we'll wrap this opening segment up and get to the real snubbies in a second, but was there anything else that kind of caught you off guard? Um, The only thing that, it was more of a nomination thing um, that, the Inside Out one for best animated feature film. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised, and maybe I'm just I don't know, but the Good Dinosaur wasn't nominated as well. But I'm, I'm guessing it's Disney and Pixar can push for one and have a better shot. And Inside Out was a better movie, probably. Um, yeah, I heard not good things about the Good Dinosaur. So I saw that recently, and if on on a technical level, some of the nature CG is unbelievably lifelike like the 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 character the dinosaur and the human characters are sort of cartoony yeah but like the water and the leaves and just like all the backgrounds is beautiful it's a beautifully shot movie but how how's the story how's the characters it's kind of basic it's kind of formulaic it's a lot of the lion king yeah if if you don't have good characters and a good story you can kiss that award goodbye 
Yeah. So I mean, maybe it maybe it should have been nominated for best effects or something. But oh, that was another one that shocked me was Ex Machina beating out uh, Star Wars for best effects. And you were kind of you. I know um, you had said like Ex Machina is a fantastic movie. It so. it was it was it was in my top five for the year. And mm. you know when they were doing the nominees, I was like, "There's no chance in hell Star Wars doesn't win this because right. Star Wars is going to get one. Yeah, it's got to win something. something. And then when they said Ex Machina, like my my brain kind of blew up a little bit. I was like, mm-hmm. "What?" And then I was like, "You know what? The effects in Ex Machina was so subtle that it really enhanced the story. And for me." Mm-hmm. that's the mark of a good special effects is that if you have a movie that's all special effects and no story like the matrix mm-hmm. reloaded or the matrix revelations Ugh. then bad movie really bad movie if you have a solid story with effects that just enhance the story then mm-hmm. that becomes great and for me yeah. that's what ex mahina was awesome so anyways check it out when it comes out um all right last chance to talk about this year's oscars before we move on I'm good. I'm good. All right. So, guys, we're going to take a quick time out. Uh, when we come back, we are going to talk about... Mike, do you want to tell us what we're going to talk about? We are going to be talking about the 1994 Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. Yes, we are. All right, guys. We'll be right back. guys we're back uh mike morosco 1994 best supporting actor let's get to it um this was an award that i i looked up on one of those like top 20 all-time oscar snubs of all time uh this one stands out because uh, first off have you seen ed wood yes so 1994 best supporting actor award goes to martin landau in ed wood um are you Mike? How familiar are you with 1994 in terms of movies? It is a crazy heavy year. It is and arguably the greatest year of all time. Everyone talks about oh, should Shawshank have won it? Should mm-hmm. Pulp Fiction have won it? Forrest Gump, yeah, it's a good movie. Could, should Quiz Show have won? Like well, it's stacked. Well, li- listen, and I'm just looking at the list of of uh, best supporting that that we have on our little uh, little spreadsheet here. These are the top movies of 1994. Ed Wood, Pulp Fiction, Bullets Over Broadway, Quiz Show, Forrest Gump, True Lies, The Professional, Blown Away, uh, Shawshank, Interview with the Vampire, Clerks, Dumb and Dumber. Holy shit. Yeah. That's, that is a stacked year if I've ever heard one. Like if you were if you were saying, hey, show me examples of movies from the 90s, you could just pull 1994 and say, oh, yeah. Platter. Oh, yeah, dude. And I think what was what was 1994 for us was that like in between fifth and sixth grade or so, somewhere in the the, the beginning of puberty. Yep, yep. I think we were uh, sprouting some uh, some hairs in very weird places at that point. <laughs> um, but I think here's the thing: is I we obviously weren't in a position to really appreciate the greatness that was that year. But even if we were, I don't think anybody realized how great of a year that was. Yeah. Um. I mean, we're looking back on it. I mean, just let me see if there's any others, because at some point we're going to do 1994 Best Picture overall. Uh, Clear and Present Danger, Speed, The Lion King, for Christ's sakes. The fucking Lion King. Sorry, Disney, I just swore for you. Stargate, The Crow, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, 
D2, The Mighty Ducks. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Hoop Dreams, one of the greatest documentaries of all time. Um, Jesus Christ, man. I, there really should have been like three different award shows just for Oscars because that year is just insane. And, and, and there sort of was. I remember on the, um, like on the special features for the Pulp Fiction DVD, they show you know, Quentin Tarantino at the Independent Spirit Awards where it was just like raking in all these different awards. And it was like, yep. I think at the time they knew that they were just going to lose to Gump because he's like, ah, Forrest who? Like, yeah. Gump what? Yeah. You know? so. And, you know, Tarantino, and I, I love Tarantino. I'll see anything that guy does. Um, I don't think I could sit next to him in a theater because he'd probably <laughs> be talking the whole time, as I've heard he does. But, um, sorry. All right. So Martin Landau wins. Uh, here are the other nominees just that year. Okay. You have Sam Jackson for Pulp Fiction. You have Chaz Palmentier. Uh, how the hell do you. Chaz Pal- Palmentieri. Palmentieri. Okay. For Bullets Over Broadway. Paul Schofield for Quiz Show. And Gary Sinise for Forrest Gump. Now, right away, uh, I don't know who you take out of that category because. That is an amazing... Ca- Usually, when we look at this list, we're like, okay, this person's out, this person's out. Um, yeah. I mean, who do you do? Paul, Paul Schofield for Quiz Show? But that was such you a know great what? Can movie. I be honest? He's the only one, and I've seen Quiz Show. I don't remember him in Quiz Show. Who was he? Will you refresh? Give us a refresher. He was... Um, uh, I mean, obviously, he wasn't... There you go. He wasn't Ray There's Fiennes. He wasn't... Uh, I, know, I, know, I know what you're saying. Um, <laughs> He's not Ray Fiennes. Wasn't he the like the producer of the show? I believe so, yeah. I think so. Um, all right, so ju- uh, just because the others are so goddamn amazing. I mean, Bullets Over Broadway is probably my second or third favorite Woody Allen movie. Um, but that being said, it's one of the it's one of the best movies made, like comedies in terms of uh, like philosophy and just movies yeah. about entertainment. Um, if, if any of the listeners haven't seen Bullets Over Broadway, do yourself a favor, uh, you know, Oh, my God, it, it, it's a mo- it's a movie about a stage writer who has writer's block and and leans on a, like a mobster who has like this almost like savant like gift for for entertainment. Um, mm-hmm. And Cha- Chaz Palmentieri is the uh, is that mobster. And it, I mean, the whole philosophy of like is is great art worth killing for? Like, that's kind of what it comes down to. Yeah. And um, he's really good. He's really Really good, in that so movie. good, and you know he he's unfortunately a, a character actor because every character he plays is the same thing at this point. But yeah. this is kind of where he made it the best. Um, so then you have you got Sam Jackson for Pulp Fiction. I mean, when you think of Pulp Fiction, you think of uh, Sam Jackson alongside John Travolta with those suits on, holding guns up. I mean, he is that movie. He talks so much in that movie. And, it's like and it just the, rolls. The, Cues it up and fucking owns. He's awesome. Yeah. And then you have Gary Sinise and Forrest Gump. I mean, dude, Lieutenant fucking Diane. <laughs> I, you can't. <laughs> that movie doesn't exist without Gary Sinise. It really doesn't. And, and his arc is so great because of all the like the horrible things that happened to him in his life. Mm-hmm. And like he still remains friends with Forrest. Mm-hmm. And, you know, his whole arc of like when he finally lets go, you know, and yeah. he's just like it's sunset and there, he's floating in the water and he's just like, you know what? I'm going to make my life better. And then you see him at the end when he comes back. Yeah, with the at, new, um, You got new legs, Lieutenant uh, Dan. Oh, and he's got his wife, and you're just like, yeah, Lieutenant Dan. I know. You, and you know what? You're absolutely right, because he is, 
I mean, I, I guess you could say that Jenny had had the full arc too, but I mean, Lieutenant Dan mm-hmm. was really Jenny had the full circle, but Gary Sinise had like the full one eighty. You know what I mean? Right. Where like Jenny went away, did some crazy shit, but always came back. Whereas Lieutenant Dan was the one that was the hard ass that turned into like the heart of gold. So, right, and uh, he wanted to kill himself. I mean, I guess yeah. Jenny did. Now that I think about <laughs> it, um. Um, yeah. So, I mean, right away, oh my god, I'm looking at the other the other people that didn't even get nominated, um, which I'm going to get into. So, I, uh, for 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 those who haven't listened, we are talking about taking away Martin Landau's and that's the crazy actor part. academy award and, and here okay so here's the worst part so unlike unlike a couple of awards that we've already done on the snubbies um oh, it, it sucks because you can look at the winner and be like well they shouldn't have even been nominated throw them out i'm looking at that and i have that same feeling like martin landau shouldn't have been nominated but not because he didn't do a good job didn't do an amazing job it's because i'm looking at all these other names that i'm about to say and you're gonna be like holy shit how did they not get nominated so, just looking at the five nominees, it probably should have come down between Sam Jackson and Gary Sinise. I will agree with that. Um, so, uh, I hate to say it because Martin Landau, Ch- Chaz Palmentieri, and Paul Schofield all deserve their nomina- their nominations. But, oh, okay, ready for the... All right, so here, let's go through the... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm getting worked up because 1994 just brings it out in me, man. Yeah. Um, I'm sitting there in science class all over again, just talking about movies in fifth grade. Um, so, all right, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw some out. Uh, did you add any names to the list, by the way, that, that I'm about to read off? Oh, I sure did. We can go through and talk a little bit about each potential. I, so these I are do. nominees that we wish to elevate to our nominees. Yeah, like honestly, we we're gonna have like a nomination list of like 15 people. Yeah. Um, all right. And these people will ultimately be competing against Sam Jackson and Gary Sinise exactly. for the snubby. If if there is a March Madness bracket for 1994 Best Supporting Actor, Sam Jackson and Gary Sinise are already in the semifinals on opposite sides of the bracket. So The these, one and the two. Yes. I love it. So these guys... All right, ready? Let me talk about True Lies. Um, I would say True Lies is... The next greatest, uh, if Mad Max is the greatest action movie of of like our lifetime, True Lies is the one that it has to be compared to. True Lies is amazing. Um, it has the comedy, it has the action, and I watch that movie for many things. I watch it for classic Arnold lines. I watch it for good explosions. I watch it for... Uh, the dance scene. I, I was just gonna say I, I look at I watch it for Jamie Lee Curtis dancing in her underwear because God damn it I'm a red blooded American. I also watch it for Tom Arnold because that dude is fucking hilarious in that movie. Right. Um. So much that he deserves a nomination for True Lies. And he he plays Arnold's like best friend slash partner. Mm-hmm. who, you know, the whole time he's had this charade going, um, he just thinks he's in, like, software sales, right? I think yeah. that's Arnold's job. Yeah, like, it's like, it's oh, some, something mo- with computers, something so bullshit. Right, but really, he's, like, the van driver, the Intel guy, like, yeah, he plays this critical role in all of, like, Arnold's badass operations. Oh, it's so good, and he's got the best lines, like, you know, women can't live with them, can't kill them. <laughs> you know, like not to sound misogynistic, but he is that misogynistic character. But he's like such a uh, just like he's the best coworker and he's the best friend. You know what I mean? Ooh, yeah. He's so he's so fucking good. And to stay on the topic of True Lies, 
Bill Paxton, man. Oh, oh he's what a scumbag. Such, he's a scumbag, but he's so good. Such a so Weasley good. scumbaggy character. And I know he's only on screen for like eight minutes out of the whole movie. But friggin' uh, 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 Anthony Hopkins won Best Actor for being on screen for less than 13 minutes for Silence of the Lambs. I think yeah. you could have thrown Bill Paxton a bone and given him Best Supporting for True Lies. That, the, the the whole scene when he's talking about you know what he wishes he could do with to Jamie Lee Curtis Arnold just sitting there <laughs> all of a sudden he hallucinates he just like murders him he just like punches back, him in the face he just him like out. backhands him with his fist and just like shoves his brain through his his nose through his brain or something oh, yeah, like that there's blood everywhere and then, then it cuts back to like oh it wasn't it was the, that that's probably the earliest time I can remember something like that happening in a movie <laughs> you know like oh no it was just and it's so funny and it's so good and then like. Finally, at the end, the the the, the lipstick, the plastic, the, no, the plastic champagne glasses. Yeah. <laughs> it's brilliant. You cling them together. Well, dude, just even the fact that like he pisses himself, he goes, "Would a would a real spy piss himself?" I'm like, "Oh my god, this guy's yeah. so good." Yeah, they used like all the the CIA resources to you know. Yeah. Oh bust my him. god, it's Great. oh, it's amazing. Uh, there's there's a stat. I'm trying to remember what it is. Bill Paxton and Lance Henriksen are the only two people in Hollywood history to ever be killed by a predator, an alien, and a Terminator. <laughs> well, that's a that's a pretty that's pretty damn good company to keep between and, those and, two. And it's a James Cameron movie, and I will go so far as to say it's my favorite James Cameron movie, probably his best it, from my perspective. For me, it's always going to be a two way tie between True Lies and Terminator Two. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to go with Aliens, but yeah. It, dude, Aliens is a very, very, very close third. Yeah. So, but I mean, anyway. just, True Lies is just amazing. All right, so you got both good. You get two both nominees really good. out of that one. Um, uh, now let's let's go back to Pulp Fiction. Ving Rhames, man. I thought what a badass. I thought Ving Rhames was fantastic in Pulp Fiction. Not as good as Sam Jackson, but um, I mean, dude, that scene with the with the gimp. Yeah, and that really, I think that. Elevates his, that elevated his performance like before and after like with him and Butch and, and the happenings with the gimp because before it's like he's always on the phone or you see him from behind yeah and you're like wow this guy's a force then he, what he has a, a box of donuts and some coffee yeah and they <laughs> which, hit him which and I he, I can't watch that scene without thinking of the Simpsons parody that they did where Snake is driving the car and Chief Wiggum's yeah. like donuts <laughs> I got donuts hey I know you <laughs> I love that scene. But uh, but then fast forward to like here's like you said like here's this monster of a character who you know the whole world is in the palm of his hands and then cut to him with a ball gag being bent over a, a chair by the friggin cop there and you're just like what yeah. the fuck just happened to this guy and then you yeah. just have that scene with him and Butch side by side who you know they're they're bitter enemies at this point yeah. and they're like nope we got to rid the scum of the earth at this point so yeah and was he he just said something like we're good yeah like, oh. it's like it's like what next i'm going to call so i can't say it cuz i'm i'm white but uh you know there's they throw the n word in there it's like we're going about to get medieval on your ass and it's like damn yeah. that's oh that's such a good line too and yeah. only he could have said it like that Oh, so good. All right. So there's <laughs> 94, man. 1994. Oh. Such a good year. Um, oh, I'm going to. All right. I'm going to save the obvious choice for later because I think this is going to be the winner overall. Um, again, mm. let's stay on movies that are, are still nominated. Uh, John Turturro for Quiz Show. Yeah. Now, I, did, I added this one. I didn't say he was the lead actor because I believe that was Ray Fiennes. But yes, Turturro, I think he was the he was the better option over Paul Schofield for Quiz Show. I do, too. So. 
maybe I, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's that Quisho keeps a nomination, but we just switch out the actors. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I remember. Like, I haven't seen it in a while, but I definitely remember. He's sort of like the current champion. Yeah. of Twenty one. Yeah, he right? get, and he and, gets screwed over. Right, because he's kind of just like a nerd and every man. Yeah, I don't you know. know. I don't like, know if they like pull like the anti semite card at all. From what I, yeah, I think so. They, yep. they didn't want like a yeah. Jew in there or something. They wanted like the clean cut guy, like the all American American type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was. I mean, I love John Turturro. I'll watch. Yeah. I'll watch pretty much anything that he's in. So and his character, it's like the the conspiracy is like unfolding around him. He can see it, and he knows. Yeah. Like he can tell what's going on. It's like people aren't believing him, mm-hmm. and. He's, it's like you know the the type of character is just like screaming like how corrupt something is. Oh yeah, and oh, it's just it, it, I remember it being really good. Yeah, so. really good. So I I would swap out Totoro uh, in Showfield's place. Mm. Um, did you ever see the movie Blown Away? Yes, dude, Lloyd Bridges. That He's, and the fact that he plays is the dad, his actual of, dad, his yeah, actual, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, that's that movie is not the the greatest movie. It's a solid movie. Um, yeah. You also have Jeff Bridges, who plays Lloyd Bridges' son in real life and in the movie. But you also have Tommy Lee Jones playing uh, playing the villain, which I love when Tommy Lee Jones plays a villain. Um, he plays Lucky, the, uh, yeah. the Lucky Charms leprechaun. Yeah. So for anyone who's not familiar <laughs> with Blown Away, it's basically about this uh, this this bomb expert who uh, is tracking down uh, like a serial bomber, like a terrorist. I don't know if they factor in the IRA to it or anything like that. I can't really. Yeah, remember. I believe that. I think Tommy Lee Jones' character is ties to the IRA, and right. it's set in Boston. It, that's right. That's right. So, uh, goddamn, Boston movies are awesome, dude. Um, I've yet to see a bad Boston movie. Name one bad Boston movie. Uh, yep. Um, I would say the worst Boston movie of all time uh, is probably the 2003 Game 7 DVD of the American League Division <laughs> Series, where the Yankees uh. won on a walk-off home run. Screw the Yankees. Anyways, <laughs> um, I feel like Lloyd Bridges and Blown Away at least gets some love. Uh, maybe not a nomination, but uh, I don't yeah, want... Enough to we definitely acknowledge it. Uh, you know, a heartfelt character... And if you haven't seen the movie, isn't I believe he gets blown away. Well, thanks, Mike. I was just about to say I don't want to do a spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> but I was going to say his final scene in the movie, uh, non-spoiler alert, is very, uh, it's heart-wrenching. Um, I think if, if you have even a little bit of a shred of a soul, you'd probably shed a tear for, for his character at that point. But uh, yeah, thanks, Mike. He does get blown away. <laughs> Jackass. Um, He's the rosebud of Blown Away. <laughs> <laughs> I hope someone gets blown away in this movie. Guess what? I don't know why that made me laugh so much. Um, <clears throat> all right. Moving on. Moving on. Um, I'm going to throw a couple obvious not nominees, but I need to <clears throat> acknowledge them for how amazing they are. Raul Julia for Street Fighter. Okay. I definitely have something to say about this. Say it. I have here... So he plays M. Bison yeah, dude. in the Jean-Claude Van Damme Street Fighter movie because Street Fighter 2 was a very popular video game at the time. It was a great so they video said, game. Hey, why don't we make a movie about this that has nothing to do with the video game? Although, it was Roll Julia's uh, last role yeah. before he passed away very early and very tragically too because he played Gomez Adams in yep. the two Adams Family movies. And was, and was fantastic awesome. as, as Gomez. Yeah. 
So I'm going to read you a back and forth he has uh, with the character Chung Lee. So M. Bison is this character that's like a dictator of this fake country, and he has his own money called like Bison Bucks, you know. <laughs> uh, so here's the, the so Chung Lee. You and your bullies were driven back by farmers with pitchforks. My father saved his village at the cost of his own life. You had him shot as you ran away, a hero at a thousand paces. Bison. I'm sorry. I don't remember any of it. Chung Lee. You don't remember? Bison. For you, the day Bison graced your village was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. I'm sorry. I don't remember any of it. You don't remember? For you, the day Bison graced your village was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. That is a fucking great line, dude. He owns, and I can't, I can't even, that does not begin to do it justice. Oh. Guy on his deathbed, taking a role, I'm sure, just to set up his family, you know, like in, in pain, I'm sure, shooting this movie. He committed so deeply and it's not a good movie and he you know yeah and like he owned it he is he ah dude if, so if there was a top five list and and they've probably already done this on the film vault or something but like if they did a top five list of just amazing performances in otherwise very bad movies i think that's yeah. got to be on there it's got to be so damn us yeah he's not going to get a nomination out of it but fuck, uh, god that's a great line yeah um one of the greatest comedies of all time. I don't care who you are. Uh, Dumb and Dumber. Now, yep. I'm saying Jeff Daniels, uh, but I don't know if you consider it like two co-best, like lead actors. See, I, I feel Jim Carrey as Lloyd Christmas is the main character. That's what because, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, because it's it's like the whole reason they go on the adventures. Exactly. Exactly. All that. Uh, which which kind of sucks because, I mean, he is uh, the better character in that movie because – I mean, people went to go see that movie because of Jim Carrey, because yes. he had literally, within the last year, had already released Ace Ventura and The Mask. I mean, Jim Carrey mm -hmm. was the man. He was the first $20 million actor. So yeah. Jeff Daniels comes in, being a serious actor, blows everybody out of the water with how funny he is. So so funny. And, and you follow the, the at the snubbies uh, on Twitter. <laughs> I posted a GIF. You know, There's that. so many, like faces he makes or <laughs> for know, god's like, sake I, just give me the damn number <laughs> <laughs> i i remember i saw this movie in the theater with my dad we both were on the ground rolling around laughing the whole thing it was comedies i feel are great places to go because it's like even if something's sort of funny the fact there's an audience around yeah. you all laughing oh totally like it, it Dude, amplifies we, it up i so. went and saw a double feature at the arrow theater in santa monica they did um Ghostbusters 1 and Ghostbusters 2. Everybody mm. went there to go see Ghostbusters, obviously. And everybody yeah. said the same thing. Eh, I don't know if I'm going to stick around for the second one. I would say probably 80% of the audience stuck around for the second one. That movie became great in my eyes at that point because I watched it with an audience and we laughed our asses off. I yeah. think Ghostbusters 2 is a great movie. Obviously, it pales in comparison to the first one. But you watch that movie with an audience and it changes your perspective of it. It really does, and it it it, um, it highlights the good things about yeah. it. So you know, so the fact is, like, Dumb and Dumber is a fantastic. It's it's probably one of the greatest comedies of all time, 
and but just watching it with an audience makes it that much better. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, and I love these people that are like, oh, Dumb and Dumber is not a good movie. It's so stupid. How the hell can you say that? Yeah. Because the the whole the the, the whole uh, you know film snob academy snob not including you know a genre film like a like a just a slapstick comedy movie. Um, I, th- there's there are still movies like yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, that, and Dumb and Dumber is probably one of the best comedies ever made. I so. dude, I would absolutely put it top five. I mean, you know, you can talk about Airplane, you can talk about some like it hot. Dumb and Dumber, man, 1994. Here we are, 22 years later, and I am quoting the shit out of that movie. Just the fact, I think what it was is on the on the highlight reel that they show, you know, as they're announcing the nominees. Yeah. If Jeff Daniels had been on there, they would have shown the scene where he's shitting himself like <laughs> crazy in the toilet. And then the smell hits him. See? Oh, what a, what a great performance. Future snubbies uh, for sound effect editing. Oh, well, dude, we haven't even gotten into like eliminating anybody yet. Let me let me wrap this up I really know. quick. Uh, yeah. One one final uh, non nominee, uh, Jeff Anderson for Clerks. Because I mean, no one's gonna say that he deserves a nomination out of it because it's it's not a good performance. It's just very memorable. Very memorable. Again, kind of the, the where it's Dante's movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Randall's just comes in there, ball lightning, tons of energy. Nice. Well, it, it's kind of like what we said with uh, Thomas Hayden Church in Sideways. It, it, he's obviously not the main character, but he is the catalyst for everything that happens in that movie. Right. So, yeah. all right. So the final, the final three, and these are the three that I think have to go into the nominations. I think that these three are going to be the ones that go up against Sinise and Jackson. Um, mm-hmm. Let me start with Tom Cruise for Interview with the Vampire. Um. Uh, probably one of Tom Cruise's best performances because it doesn't involve action. I feel like whenever Tom Cruise does an action movie, you're never really seeing what kind of chops he has. And stuff like Magnolia, Interview with the Vampire, oh. you know, those kind of roles are... Born on the 4th of July. Born on the 4th of July. The dude can act. I mean, he might be nutty as all hell, jumping on couches and, and doing all that weird shit, but... I mean, dude, go back and watch Interview with the Vampire. Like, Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise, a perfect example of two good-looking actors who are only known for their looks, but fuck, man, they can act. And and I want to say, isn't there a story where uh, the author of Interview with the Vampire, Anne Rice, because uh, Tom Cruise, I believe, plays Lestat? Yep. Is that the name? So, you know, she found out that he was cast, and she was not happy. She was not happy at all. She's like, I, I don't see it. Because she's thinking Top um, Gun. Pretty much, um, and then after the movie came out, I she was blown away by his performance. Yeah. So yeah, that sounds definitely worthy of being. Oh, absolutely nominated. does. Um, then we have, uh, dude, Morgan Freeman, Shawshank Redemption. We oh. already took an award away from Morgan Freeman. Maybe this is this is an award we give back to him. I, he as Red in the Shawshank Redemption, so good. 
I mean, and and yeah, dude, for the for the longest time, and you know this, for the longest time, like for twenty years, the Shawshank Redemption was my favorite movie of all time. And yeah. I mean, now it's The Shining because for some, oh, I just I turned a corner on that movie and I, I never looked back. But <laughs> Morgan Freeman, Shawshank Redemption, according to IMDb, is the greatest movie of all time. Morgan Freeman is the supporting character in the greatest movie of all time, and I don't know how you don't win an award for that. I mean, he's mm-hmm. the he's the narrator. He's he's the best friend. He's the voice of reason. He is the teacher. He's the voice of God. He's he's everything to that movie. And I can't imagine anybody else playing that role. And I've had so many. Um, and, you know, you don't like, you know, I certainly think you can learn lessons from movies and, and ways to handle yourself. Absolutely. Um, and I've always come to interesting places that, like professionally in my career where, you know, I'm like, trying so hard, so hard to like get promoted or, you know, to move into a new position. And I always go to when the times where I just relax and I be myself and, and I look at it similar to how Morgan Freeman was in Shawshank Redemption when he finally got parole. He's like, I don't give a shit. Yep. Been in here long enough, whatever. And that's when the good things start happening to him. Dude. I, I've, I've, that, that's something that, that speaks to me a lot. And I feel his performance, you believe it. You know, you believe he's been in there for a long time where it's like some of these other guys, it's like, okay, yeah, like that guy's just an old actor. Or he's, you know. Dude, you just went, thing. you just went deep. It's what I do. <laughs> That sounds really they bad. Call, they call, <laughs> well, you mean like? I know what I nickname, meant, Mr. I Deep. Think you took it in a completely different direction, right? But no. You Hi, this is the Snubbies with Michael Morosco. He goes deep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, oh my God, Morgan Freeman, dude. Uh, may, he might win it. He might win it. We got to see how this plays out. That's going to be tough to beat. But here's here's my perennial pick. Gary Oldman for The Professional. Dude, when was the last time you watched Leon The Professional? I have not watched Leon The Professional in a long time. Oh, do yourself a favor because Gary fucking Oldman gives one of the greatest performances of all time as Stanley... Uh, fuck, I can't... Stanley Oldfield, or I think that's... Stanley Ipkiss. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Norman Stansfield. Dude... Oh, Gary Oldman in The Professional has one of the greatest lines of all time, and it's just him shouting a single word. And, oh, my God, dude. For anyone who hasn't seen The Professional, stop listening right now. Go watch The Professional because, A, you get to see Natalie Portman in what I believe is her debut role uh, just completely it's murder early, it. Yeah. yeah, just completely murder it, no pun intended. You have Jean Renault being the the foreign hitman who, you know, he lives by one simple rule. No women, no children. Everything else that's, is fair game. That's two rules, but yes. <sighs> Fine, two. <laughs> two. All right, so three rules. No women, no children, and water your fucking plants. That's, well, those go. are his three rules. Um, but, dude, uh, Gary Oldman, man, he, so he plays, like, a corrupt cop, a corrupt detective, I should probably say, who is just, he's, like, running crime in his in his district and he is like the man that you don't cross and he it's just it's him versus Jean Renault over uh Natalie Portman who who witnessed the murder of her family and 
oh, there's just that great line at the end where they're going into the hotel and they're going after Jean Renault, and he knows that that even though Jean Renault is outnumbered, he still has them cornered, and he just goes, "Bring me everyone." The guy's like, "What do you mean everyone?" He just goes, "Everyone," <laughs> and you're like, "Oh my god!" The vein just popped in his forehead. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, def. I mean, it's one of those quirky roles, but. When you look, I think we talked about this before. We talked about this la- on the last episode. When when the book is is done and written on Gary Oldman, and you notice that he's only ever been nominated for Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, this is the performance that everybody points to, and they're like, "There's no way he shouldn't have not got nominated for that, if not won it, because it's yeah. between." The professional and the fifth element, those two roles, yes, they're quirky. They're almost like they're almost cartoonish in a way. But holy shit, they're performances that every actor wishes they had. And yeah, it doesn't detract from how good a performance is. But again, it's like a genre thing. That's probably why yeah. some of the reasons he, did, he doesn't get nominated for those kind of roles, or like we said, for Harry Potter, you know, yeah. it's like, oh, it's, yeah. you know, very rarely does that sort of happen. Yeah. Unfortunately. Okay, dude. So here we are. We've got our top five. <laughs> um, let's let's narrow it down. Uh, just looking at the previous nominees, let's narrow it down. Yeah. Uh, Sam Jackson versus Gary Sinise because whoever whoever wins the other yep. three. Well, first off, do you disagree that it should come down between, uh, for the non-nominees, that it yep. should come down between Gary Oldman, Morgan Freeman, and Tom Cruise? I do not disagree. Okay. So I'm going to take those three, set them aside. Let's look at Sam Jackson versus Gary Sinise. So sorry, man, Martin Landau, your your award has already been taken away. My apologies. I love you, but you're you're done. Um, who do you give it to, Sam Jackson or Gary Sinise? <sighs> like, if I were closing my eyes and picturing, you know, who I would want to see in front of me, well, maybe not, <laughs> but... That's a bad way to phrase it. Do you want to see the black guy with the gun or the no-legged white dude? That's right. If Jules is showing up, I've probably done something wrong. Yeah. Um, But I think Sam Jackson deserves it over Gary Sinise. As much as I like Gary Sinise. Oh, I disagree. I think Gary Sinise takes it. Okay, well, let's let's talk it out. All right, so stop the train. Let's get off. Um, (laughs) I think Gary Sinise deserves it because he runs more of an emotional gamut throughout the whole thing. I think Sam mm-hmm. Jackson is amazing in Pulp Fiction. I think he is the best character of Pulp Fiction. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that movie continues without him. Uh, yeah. Whereas Gary Sinise, I mean, Forrest, I mean, I know we're talking about character, not performance, but the, the Lieutenant Dan character uh, is so pivotal to like 80% of that movie. Um, and just, I mean, look at look at the emotion. First off, he's the hard-headed, uh, not drill sergeant, like what sergeant, lieutenant, whatever. Oh, obviously, lieutenant, lieutenant. Dan. <laughs> Sorry, he's a hard sergeant Dan. He's a hard-headed lieutenant who like literally has just a couple rules, like take care of your feet, don't get killed. Like that's that's pretty much it. Um, so no emotion out of him other than just like anger, resentment towards the world, that type of thing. Um, then you see him in his all-time lowest when he has no legs and he's just like he's like almost like a comatose figure of himself in the hospital yeah. bed um and then you know there's that great moment on new year's eve where him and Forrest are making out with the girls Forrest, you know boots the girl off him and they leave and you know he's like you don't call well, him stupid well, exactly yeah it's it's him defending his friends yeah. like the man that saved his life yeah, as much as he probably wants to get laid, there's you know yeah. bros before 
New Year's Eve hose. So he he never I mean he never cries, which is you know it's a big hallmark of like what makes a good actor is like how the hell will they cry, which is is kind of <laughs> stupid, but it's 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 true to an extent. Um, and then like when he comes back into the frame at the wedding at the end, you're like, oh my god, he's happy, and I'm so happy for him. Yeah. Like this is amazing. Like I feel like Gary Sinise takes me on more of an emotional ride, and for me that's important. Um, wow, you're really you're changing my mind. And the more I think about it too. Um, I want to say this is what led, because I know Gary Sinise is a really big like supporter of the military, and like he does a lot of USO work, yeah, um, and which is great. And the I think this is probably what you know made him like talking to veterans, talking to people that have oh, lost yeah. limbs, oh yeah, um, made him want to get involved and just continue on. And I you know don't know him personally. You would like to think he's a good person, yeah, um, and a role of. This magnitude, I guess, this importance to have that effect on him, but not not just the audience. I, I completely you know? agree. But now let's, you know, now that we just completely, you know, kiss Gary Sinise's ass, let's look at Sam yeah. Jackson. Um, Sam Jackson in Pulp Fiction as Jules, he has a level of cool to him that is unparalleled. I can't think of another character that is that cool, calm, and collected when he's got a friggin' gun pointed to his head. Or brains in the back of his car. Or brains in the back of his car. Or or just the fact that, like, I mean, dude, his wallet says bad motherfucker on it. You <laughs> know? Um, so he doesn't have the emotional uh, roller coaster that Gary Sinise does in, in Forrest Gump. But he does have that level of intense cool that I've never seen before. Yeah. So it's a likability. It's a likability. Like you really like him. It's like he, he almost picked one emotion and just perfected it so yeah. for me the gary sinise roller coaster sells me more over sam jackson just honing in on the one not to say sam jackson doesn't deserve it i just think gary sinise deserves it more i you're you've persuaded me i if we wish to proceed with gary sinise versus <laughs> all challengers <laughs> you made it you made a good argument. all right so gary sinise is now automatically in the finals and that was so he's going to represent the class of already nominated. So yep. now let's go through the three that are uh, that are not nominated. Let's start with Tom Cruise for Interview with the Vampire versus uh, Morgan Freeman for Shawshank Redemption. Right away, I'm going Morgan Freeman, no question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't think that's a question. Right. So sorry, Tom Cruise. Maybe we'll give it to you for Magnolia in a future episode. I don't know. No, no we will. Give it. Yeah, <laughs> I I almost said there was, so, but there's so many Magnolia makeups we need to do because that's one of my favorites. Uh, I'm gonna need to yes. go back and rewatch that before we do the episode because I do like that movie, but I feel like I would like it more on a on another viewing. So we'll have to go back and watch it. Um, yeah. I'm trying to wrap this up because I know you got to get out of here. Uh, no, take your time. I I am committed. I am deep. Oh, Mike is deep. Michael Deep Morosco. That's his middle name, which is weird because you go deep and it's only the middle. Anyways, um, Morgan Freeman, Shawshank Redemption versus Gary Oldman for The Professional. I don't know which way to go. Uh, again, I, it's been a long time since I've seen The Professional. Um, the, I, the, here's the reason. So Shawshank Redemption... Um, is probably my number two favorite movie of all time. The Professional is definitely in the top 25. Um, mm. I I hate making the case against Gary Oldman because there's no way that that man should not have an Oscar right now. And I think yeah. this is his best performance, so it should be for this. 
But Jesus Christ, Morgan Freeman as Red in Shawshank Redemption. Ugh, dude, I... It, it, you want to talk about a, a character that pushes the narrative. Like when we talked about Thomas Hayden Church, it, you know, yeah. his character in Sideways drove all the things that happened, or, or at least was a way for the audience to connect with things that they might not understand. That is Red yeah. in Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. You, he is telling you what is happening. He's telling you what's important. Why things are a certain way, which is weird because there's that there's that unwritten rule that like any any story that has a narrator is not doing its job telling the story on its own, but yeah. fuck that because Red has the voice. Morgan Freeman is my ways navigator, <laughs> and he is my navigator through the Shawshank Redemption. Um, oh, dude, I'm sorry, I'm getting more worked yeah. up about this than I should be. Gary Oldman in The Professional is one of my favorite performances of all fucking time but the Shawshank you feel that but the Shawshank Redemption is one of my favorite movies of all time and it's because Mm -hmm. of Morgan Freeman yeah I I think of all the movies Morgan Freeman's been nominated for this is his strongest he wasn't nominated for this I mean should have been nominated yeah should have been absolutely should have been he should have uh, uh, I hate to say I think I'm going Morgan Freeman uh-huh. And since we took we are in the previous snubbies, we took the Oscar away from Don't him. don't even take that into consideration. Don't do the makeup award. Because <laughs> No. Don't do it. Because that's a bullshit thing. It it comes down to the performance. Oh my god. Well, you just said it. You said you earlier you just said Gary Oldman should have had an Oscar. So Oh my god. My vote's for Morgan. Uh, I'll go with I'll go Morgan Freeman. Jesus Christ. I gotta go now it's gonna be tough. Oh my god. I gotta go back and look at um look at what the nominees were for nineteen ninety five and see who was nominated over Gary Oldman for the fifth element. Oh my god, dude. This should have been a tie this year. It should have been a tie for between Oldman and Freeman. But now let's oh. all right, so Morgan <laughs> now it's gonna be tough. But, all right, so all right, so we're gonna go Morgan Freeman over Gary Oldman. Fuck, I I hate saying that out loud, dude. I hate that. Uh, I feel like I should like start a Kickstarter campaign for Gary Oldman just for saying that. You're gonna resnub it. You're gonna take. You're gonna do a snubbies on the snubbies. I'm, I'm probably going to. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna have to get Joey on the next episode to redo this episode to see what he thinks. Oh man. Oh my god. Okay. Ah! I'm sorry. I'm like really upset about this. Okay. All right. Take a breath. <sighs> All right. Morgan Freeman in The Shawshank Redemption versus Gary Sinise and Forrest Gump. They both fit the mold for what a supporting character should be in a great movie. They both have really interesting character arcs. Yeah. They both they both go 180 degrees from where they were in the start. Yeah. Um they're, it's they're both um their relationship to the main characters are Ones of love and friendship. Yep. Very similar, actually. Insanely kind of similar. Odd as we're talking about it, yeah. Um, in 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 some ways, you have, uh, you know, Morgan Freeman, kind of crippled by his, you know, being uh, institutionalized for most of his life. What what do you say? He went in, you know, he 16. gets in prison. Six- yeah, sixteen years yeah. old. You know, so there's that whole. There's a whole underlying tone in the movie of like guys that get out 
They don't and, know how to adjust to regular life. Can, you know, can I have permission to take a piss, sir? Yeah. As he's bagging groceries, kind of thing. You know. Like, and, and the crazy thing is, not to get too over analytical, because this is going to be pretentious film critic bullshit that I'm about to say. Mm, yes, yes. yes mm. Well, you see, mm. Gary Sinise's prison was mental that he had to break out of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so true. Clever. It's so true. Yes. Um They both had to get out of the prison that they were in, and the difference between the two characters is that Morgan Freeman didn't really know what to do other than to go see his friend. Ah, but then Gary Sinise broke out of his mental prison and all he could do was go see his friend. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, Evan, you, you get busy living or you get busy dying. Ah, throw the quotes and, at me, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Uh, dude. Part of it, it's, it's tough because Morgan Freeman is in, he's in the movie more. He... He's like sort of always around, yeah. whereas Lieutenant Dan, yeah. I think, only comes in, you know, sort of halfway through the movie. Um, but he plays such an important part in what happens to Forrest, you know, the second half of his life. Uh, what, what's your gut reaction? My, ah, uh, this is so hard. My gut tells me Morgan Freeman, and what's in my head right now is... You know, he has when he has the same apartment as the previous inmate Brooks, who ended up hanging himself. Yeah. You know, Brooks was here, um, and I believe written. You know, underneath is so is red, but he takes the different path. And you, I, you cheer so much like for the character at that point where they stop becoming actor an actor, and you they're a real person as you know red is a real person you yeah. know now but so is lieutenant dan yeah so now but make a case I for feel, lieutenant dan uh, for lieutenant dan i just get and i'm I'm not 100 percent sure but it looks you know when he shows up at the end he has a vietnamese wife right yeah and all of the hate that he sh in his heart you know he'd been harboring or maybe or you know reasonably you know he was in Vietnam, Vietnamese, you know, people blew his legs off. He should hate that. He's let go so much of that weight of the past that he's able to find love. And it just so happens she's a Vietnamese woman. It's, 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 a, it's another moment to cheer for. God damn, dude. You're making good case here. It's, ah, it's a tough one. Do we do a tie? Because I don't know if I can make a decision. I, I don't think you can. I think... Oscars have done a tie before. They have. So is baseball all star game. <laughs> we know how that turns out. Oh, Bullshit, dude. You got to commit. If you're going to commit enough to take away an award from an elderly Th man, this is. You <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, you were the one that wanted to push that one. I was. I was willing to let that one go. Um, here's the thing. I think Morgan. I think Gary Sinise deserves it. 99.8 percent mm. i think morgan freeman deserves it 99.9 percent yep yep oh dude and, yeah this is the hardest one ever it's it's also it's mind-boggling he wasn't even nominated that year you know what that pisses me off to the point where that's going to kick him over the point one percent for me. Yeah, that's like gary sinise was honored with the nomination and uh, yeah, it's mm. it's a it's just an honor to be nominated. But, dude, That's like, Morgan Freeman wasn't even nominated, dude. Yeah. All right. Drum roll, please. 
Ladies and gentlemen, the 1994 Best Supporting Oscar away from Martin Landau in Ed Wood and assigning it to Morgan Freeman from The Shawshank Redemption. Ooh, just got chills. I just got good. chills. I feel good about this. And you know what? I feel good. The, snu- the snubby haters that were pissed off that we took it away from Million Dollar Baby can now suck on it that we gave it back to them for Shawshank. Who's the haters? Give me their addresses. I'll go deep on them. <laughs> if, you, if you're if you a hater and would like to face off with Michael Deep Morosco one-on-one. It's, I'm on Twitter. Find me haters at, at L-O-M-B-A-S-B-K-O. Lombasco. Fuck y'all. <laughs> oh, dude. I, this this episode took like energy away from me. I'm like. Just kidding. Just kidding. Like and subscribe. Five star <laughs> reviews on iTunes. Really help the podcast out. Yeah. Let's get our numbers up, guys. Come on. Let's let's make this happen. Um, oh, dude. Like, I'm, yeah, I'm emotionally drained. drained after that. I have to go do work now, and I don't know if I can do it. I need a nap. Yeah. Damn. All right, dude, this was a good one. I really enjoyed this one. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. A lot of fun was had. A lot of, a lot of tears were shed. Uh, my voice became <laughs> a little hoarse trying to do the the, the Gary Oldman quote. <laughs> Stansfield. That's what it was. Stansfield was his character's name. Uh, oh, my God. All right, dude, that was a good one. Um, are you going to come back and do another one later? If If the public wants it, how can I deny? There you go. Good one. All right, guys, I'll be back in a few minutes to wrap this up. Uh, Mike, thanks so much for doing another episode, man. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, good stuff today. Uh, anything you want to Thank plug on the way out? Me. Deep. <laughs> I ask if you want to plug anything, and you just say deep. <laughs> <laughs> I got to cut time out. All right, dude, thanks so much yeah. for coming. Uh, we'll do another one again very soon. Uh, I'll be right back, guys. Thanks so much. guys like i said that one took a lot out of me um wow i uh, i'm still just torn up about how i couldn't give the oscar to gary oldman for the professional which is uh, it's arguably his best performance ever and uh, i the opportunity was there but then you had gary sinise and morgan freeman and uh, it I am legitimately upset about it because whenever I have the debate with people over just amazing performances, it's Gary Oldman in the professional always comes up and yet he still didn't walk away with it. And I don't know. I feel, I feel like we did him wrong, but uh, you can't not give it to Morgan Freeman for the Shawshank Redemption. I mean, in, in every sense of the, of the word Shawshank Redemption is a cult film. Uh, It did poorly at the box office, but on home video, it just blew up. Uh, and, and that that is the definition of a cult film, a movie that that gains more popularity, more popularity over time. And I mean, look at the Rocky Horror Picture Show. That's that's the the definition of a cult film. It's uh, you know it did nothing in its initial release, and then yet people are still going to midnight screenings in L.A. dressed up as the characters. That is a cult film, and The Shawshank Redemption is a cult film because uh, critics panned it. Oscars snubbed it, and 
it's now the number one movie of all time on IMDb. So uh, you don't have that kind of cult status uh, with the, the, the court of public opinion and not give it, at the very least, not even just best picture. Uh, I mean, Morgan Freeman is that movie. I know it's it's Tim Robbins as Andy Dufresne. That's that's the main character. But Jesus Christ, Morgan Freeman as Red is just amazing. So interesting enough that we took his Best Supporting Actor award away from Million Dollar Baby and just reassigned it uh, for the Shawshank Redemption. Honestly, probably the right call though, because um, when you you know when his career is all said and done. Uh, you're going to look back and you're going to see Shawshank Redemption is his best performance. So I, I feel good that we did give it to him uh, for for Shawshank Redemption as Red. So even though I'm still pissed at myself over Gary Oldman, uh, congratulations, Morgan Freeman. You're In our eyes, you are the, the best supporting actor of 1994. So, all right, guys, that's, uh, that's it for this week. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed this one uh hopefully our screaming into the mics didn't, didn't distract you guys too much uh but again we want to hear from you guys hit us up at twitter at the snubbies check us out on facebook uh i want to hear from you guys what award really upset you the most um and it can be anything it can be editing it can be makeup it can be uh wardrobe I want to hear from you guys. It can be a Razzie. I would love to do an episode on a Razzie. As a matter of fact, we came very close to doing one this week, but uh, but Mike Mike really wanted to do another supporting actor one, so so we did. Um, but what what upset you guys? Uh, I want to hear it. Let's make this as interactive as possible, please. So hit us up. Um, I want to hear from you guys. So enjoy the rest of the week. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. We'll try to make it a little more regular for you guys. No pun intended. Uh, Yeah, hopefully you enjoyed it. Love you guys. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye, dickhead. See ya. Take care now. Bye-bye then. Happy Bye-bye, buddy. Bye-bye, buddy. <laughs> <laughs>